Father, we just come before you right now. And God, we're here to meet with you. And Father, right now, I ask that by your spirit, you will speak to each and every one of us. Father, right now, we, we let down walls. We lay aside distractions. And God, we say, come, speak to us personally that we can be more like you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. All right. Well, if you're just joining us for the first time today, we have been in this series for several weeks now entitled, She's Off to Boot Camp, because we recognize that in our everyday lives, we're in a battle. The Bible tells us that. It's a, a battle that rages between the spirit and the flesh. And we're called as believers to live that life according to the spirit. But our flesh is crying out really loudly, right? And our flesh is this sinful, fleshly nature that has the characteristics that are in more agreement with the enemy. And so we've got to choose who are we going to follow. And there is this battle that we face every day. But when we learn the tools that God has given us in his word, it becomes easy to choose the spirit. But we've got to be willing to do the work. It doesn't happen the second we give our lives to God. Oh, we just live completely according to the spirit. Because our, we still live in this flesh and blood body, right? And so it's still calling out to us. Hey, be nasty, retaliate, do all this stuff. Does anyone's flesh ever cry out to you to, to uh, lash out at someone or respond in a way that's not exactly Christ-like? Sure. So we've got to be women who are willing to make that choice, who face that battle and win that battle, not giving in to the enemy. So we've seen the tools that God gives us through his word, the, the armor that we have, the weapons that we have, but let me ask you, when, you're, when a soldier's going out to battle, if there's a bunch of landmines out there and a bunch of traps set that that soldier could fall into, don't you think it would be good if that soldier knew they were there? Don't you think that would be incredibly helpful rather than just stumbling out there and possibly falling into those traps? Don't you think it would be really good to know, hey, there's a trap there. I'm not going to step into that. How many would kind of like that? You're women, you like to know everything in advance. I know you want to know this. <laughs> well, Jesus tells us about some of these traps, and we're going to talk about one of those traps today. And if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew 24. The verses will be on the screens. I want to read this to you from the Amplified Bible. It says, And then many will be offended and repelled and will begin to distrust and desert him whom they ought to trust and obey, and will stumble and fall away and betray one another and pursue one another with hatred. Wow, that's a mouthful. Jesus is warning us about the trap of offenses. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And I want you to notice in this verse the progression that takes place when we take on an offense, causes us to be repelled, causes us to distrust and desert those we ought to trust. It causes us to stumble, to fall away, to betray, and to pursue others with hatred. 
wow, that's the enemy's plan. That is exactly what he wants. And I want you to notice something here. The word offense in the Greek, it comes from the word scandola. And this is what it literally means. It means a trap stick, a snare, to entrap or trip up, to put a stumbling block or impediment in the way upon which another may trip and fall, to entice to sin, to cause a person to begin to distrust and desert one whom he ought to trust. So an offense is a trap stick. Do you know what a trap stick is? A trap stick is what the hunters would put the bait at the end of and put in the trap to catch the animals. And the animals would then take that bait and the trap would close, killing or taking captive that animal. Offenses are the trap stick of Satan to pull us into his captivity. And you know what? He knows exactly what bait each of us will bite. He knows how to push our buttons. But in 2 Timothy 2, it says, avoid offenses. It says, avoid foolish, ignorant disputes, strife, and quarreling. Offenses. Avoid offenses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Wow. This is not my words to you this morning. This is what the Bible says, that offenses are a snare of the devil to take us captive by him to do his will. Wow, that's what he's after. He wants to take us captive to immobilize us, to prevent us from fulfilling God's will for our lives, God's will on this earth. It says, in that verse we read from uh, Matthew 24, it said that we'd pursue one another with hatred when we take on an offense. Do you know what hatred literally means in this scriptural reference? It means to be void of the love of God. When we're offended, it causes us to live contrary to God's very nature. Wow. You've heard the expression, hurt people, hurt people. This is a perfect illustration of it. When we're hurt and we take on an offense, it causes us to then betray. It causes us to pursue others with hatred in our hearts. Wow, this is serious stuff that we just need to be aware of. God's saying, hey girls, there's traps out there that the enemy set for you, but I want you to know about them. So his word tells us. And then Jesus says in Luke 17, 1, he's talking to the disciples and he says, it is impossible that no offenses should come. Wow. All right. That gets my attention. Okay. God, thank you. Thank you for showing me. Thank you for telling us they're out there, that they're going to come so we can be aware of them so that we don't just fall into them, so that we don't just take the bait and miss seeing that it is connected to a trap. So, 
if Jesus himself is telling us that offenses are going to come, we need to recognize that and realize that they come frequently. Has anyone noticed that? Opportunities for offenses come frequently. Pretty much every day there's an opportunity for offense. So how do they come? They come so subtly, absolutely, so very subtly. Think about the hunter. Is he going to put the bait out and put the trap so it's super obvious? No, he's much smarter than that. The animal won't go into a trap that is super obvious. So don't you think the enemy who is very shrewd and cunning, don't you think he's going to be subtle? He's not going to make these traps super obvious for us. They're going to be very subtle. He knows how to draw us in. Remember, he knows how to push our buttons, so we have got to be on the lookout. And we need to recognize through whom offenses come most often. Did you know that it's the ones who are closest to us who can hurt us the most? It even tells us that in the verse we started out with today in Matthew 24. It talks about those we ought to trust that those are the ones that offended us. Wow. That means those who might be our spouse, family members, people in authority over us, pastors, ministry leaders, those we trust, those who are closest to us. You know why? Because our expectations of them are higher And if our expectations are unfulfilled, what happens? We become offended. We have the greatest opportunity to be hurt by those who are closest to us, those we trust. And what happens when we take the bait? In Proverbs 18, 19, it tells us one other thing that happens. It says, a brother offended is harder to be won over than a strong city, and their contentions separate them like the bars of a castle. Do you know in the original writing, the phrase won over, or your translation may say to win over, those words were not there in the original writings. Those words were added later. It literally, originally said, one offended is harder than a strong city. When we take the bait of offense, it causes us to become hardened in our hearts. What was around cities in in these days when this was written in the Bible? Walls around the cities. For what? What were they there for? Protection. And when we get offended, we put up walls, which we think will protect us. But offenses only keep us inside that prison within the walls that we ourselves put up. And you know what? We end up becoming prisoners of war, held captive by the enemy, Satan. Wow. You might be sitting there thinking, well, that's kind of a strong statement. I am not saying 
that we become demon-possessed. So nobody <laughs> misunderstand. That is not what we are saying. But the enemy has traps set for us. And we need to realize that sometimes we choose to follow his schemes. The enemy is not like the dog catcher in the cartoons that runs around with the net and says, oh, I gotcha, took you captive. No, we all have a will. He puts out the bait and we make the choice. Let me give you some examples. You see, we can all pick up offenses over the littlest little thing. Maybe someone didn't invite us to a party. Someone didn't invite us to go to lunch or to get together, but they invited so-and-so. And we pick up an offense. Someone forgot to meet us for coffee and we sat at Starbucks all by ourselves. Someone forgot a special occasion. Maybe someone forgot our name. Maybe you met someone here last week and you came today and they forgot your name. Don't be offended. <laughs> Sometimes we can just pick up offenses over little things, over a differing opinion. You know what? Those types of offenses usually boil down to our expectation not being met. We thought something would happen that didn't happen. Bottom line, we didn't get our way didn't happen the way we thought it would happen. And of course, our way is always right. So we think, not true. Most often, in situations like that, there is not a right or a wrong. And we think, well, it has to happen this way. Well, no, it doesn't. And we don't know what's going on with the other person. We need to be so careful and recognize the traps that are there before us. We can all get caught up in those little daily things that don't go the way we think they should. Maybe your husband didn't call you and tell you he was going to be home later than usual. Maybe he didn't pick up his socks after you asked him for the third time. Maybe he didn't greet you when you came in the door the way you thought he should, and instead he stayed glued to the sports on TV. <laughs> Maybe a friend hasn't called you in a really long time. You know what? The enemy would love for us to pick up these little offenses each day so that they will gradually become bigger, and we will gradually, subtly build a wall around our lives that becomes a stronghold that we recognize one day and think, how in the world did that ever get there? We allowed it one little thing at a time. But you know, we can also carry offenses for much bigger issues in life. Things dealing with abuse, abandonment, rejection, betrayal, having been lied about. There are always things that happen that we have no control over. And you know what? Just like you, I have had numerous opportunities in my life to take on numerous offenses 
But one of the biggest opportunities in my life personally came through a time of pretty extreme rejection where I felt completely abandoned, I felt completely robbed, alone, I was lied to and lied about. And you know what? I saw that progression starting in my life where there was first distrust and then the deserting even just within my own heart and then the starting to stumble and the anger and the bitterness building up in my heart and I realized that if I didn't do something with that anger and with that hurt the only one it was going to hurt was me and I realized I remember one day just crying out to God realizing God this is only going to clog up my pipeline with you this is only going to end up separating me from you. And God, that's the last thing I want. So here you go. I knew I had to forgive, even though I didn't want to. Even though it didn't feel good. Even though my flesh was telling me not to, that I was totally justified in my hurt and in my anger. Our flesh doesn't want to forgive. We need to understand that all of the emotions that get tied into being offended feel really good to our flesh. Have you ever noticed that? Because this sinful fleshly nature that we have, we took on because sin entered the world. And so we live in this sinful, fleshly nature. But Jesus came to save us from going down that road. But we're the ones that have to make the choices. And so we have to recognize that the enemy loves to deceive us into thinking if we hold on to all those feelings, it's okay because we're justified. And if we hold on to those feelings that we're justified in and not forgiving, it's going to vindicate us and it's going to end up hurting the other person. That is such a deception from the enemy that we need to recognize. The only person it hurts is us. Have you heard the expression? It's like eating the rat poison and expecting the rat to die. That's exactly what we're doing. When we take on offense, we think, oh, I'm so justified in this, and my holding on to this is going to hurt the other person. The only person it hurts is us. And we've got to really be women that are so aware of that, that refuse to take on offense, refuse to hold on to unforgiveness. When we refuse to let go and forgive, do you know what happens? We lock ourselves in the enemy's prison. We lock ourselves in his captivity. He just puts out the bait, but we choose whether or not we're going to take it. And you know, as believers, as, as women who have a relationship with God, we all know up here that it's not right to be offended, don't we? We all know that. Yet, churches 
are full of offended Christians today. You know why? Because we have learned how to act on the outside like we're not offended when we are on the inside. We go to church, we volunteer, we put on our happy face, we serve, we read our Bible, we help, we do things to help others, yet all the while inside, the offense is festering, is growing, and we're becoming cold and numb in our hearts. And we keep going through the motions, but all of our internal walls have gone up. And we've deceived ourselves into thinking that we are living a Christ-like life when actually we've decided to follow the schemes of the enemy. Because a Christ-like life is a life that forgives, a life that loves extravagantly, a life that releases others. And when we have all our walls up, we are doing anything but forgiving and releasing and loving. So sometimes we can choose, you know what, everybody smile at me for a second. Oh, okay, it's a little intense in here, it's okay. <laughs> so sometimes we can just get caught up in all the motions, doing the things on the outside, but something very different is going on on the inside. And that's what we started this season talking about, that we are called to be whole, the same on the inside as we are on the outside. That's why, that's why we're in this study, because God wants to transform us on the inside. So we've got to know what his word says, know how to put it to work, so that the inside determines the outside. All right? So sometimes we can get caught up in going through the motions and trying to make everyone think that, that we're serving, we're, we're volunteer of the month, we're doing great. And other times, we withdraw. But yet we still put our spiritual sticker and label on our behavior. God just has me in a season of just being separated and just hearing from him right now. Oh, God's not calling me to be part of a local church right now. It's just a time of just me and him. Anybody ever heard things like this? God didn't tell me to go to Bible study today, so I'm just going to stay home and have time with him. Are you really? Or are you eating bonbons and um, watching reality shows? I don't know. <laughs> and we put our spiritual stickers on our behavior. And you know what we end up doing? We end up opening the door to pride, separating ourselves from the body, and we end up becoming critical of others, and we begin to view ourselves as better than others, when all we've really done is simply given in to the enemy, given in to our fleshly nature. You know what it says in Proverbs 18.1? It says, he who willfully separates and estranges himself from God and man 
seeks his own desire and pretext to break out against all wise and sound judgment. When we isolate, whether publicly or privately within our own heart, within our own soul, we willfully make that choice that's contrary to godly wisdom, contrary to sound judgment. Ladies, offense is the breeding ground to deception, believing that we're right when in reality, we're really wrong. We take on a way of life that seeks our protection and our isolation, even without consciously realizing that's what we've done, because the enemy is subtle. So we've got to be wise women who recognize this. We've got to guard our hearts. We've got to guard against offenses. In Proverbs 4.23, it says, Guard your heart above all else, above everything. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Everything springs out of our hearts. Our heart the core of our beings tied into our thoughts, our attitudes, our emotions, all tied together, our will, our choices. It all works together at the core of our being. We've got to guard our hearts. The enemy wants us to wind up in a place of hatred. That's what we read in the scripture we started out with in Matthew 24. That's his ultimate goal, that we'll take the bait and we'll wind up in that place of pursuing others with hatred. Hatred, void of the love of God. The love of God, the most powerful force on the universe. Ladies, we are called and created to love extravagantly with the love of God that is within us. That means we're created called to forgive. Every time the opportunity for offense comes, forgive. Release it. Let it go. We're called to repent when maybe we have picked up that offense. When we realize it, when the Spirit of God shows us, he's saying, just repent and forgive. Let it go. Let's move forward from here. Loving extravagantly, it means praying for others. Who should we be praying for? Look what it says in Matthew 5, in verse 44. It says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It doesn't say love the lovable. It doesn't say love those who love you. It doesn't say love those who tell you how cute you look today. It doesn't say pray for those who you just adore. No, love and pray for your enemies, those who persecute you. That means those who have wronged you, those who have abused you, those who have betrayed you. Love and pray for them. Listen to what those verses say in Matthew 5. Let's start back at verse 43 in the Message Bible. Listen to these verses. I love this. It says, you're familiar with that old written law, love your friend? And its unwritten companion, hate your enemy? Well, I'm challenging that. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. There's a concept for us. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer. Listen to this. 
For then you are working out of your true selves, your God-created selves. This is what God does. He gives his best, the sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone, regardless, the good and the bad, the nice and the nasty. If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Anybody can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. In verse 48, in a word, what I'm saying is grow up. The Bible said it, not me. <laughs> your kingdom subjects, now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously towards others the way God lives towards you. Wow, I love that. And you know, I started to share a little bit with you of a time in my life of, of feeling so rejected and abandoned and lied to and lied about and knowing that I had to forgive. And that's one thing to know it. It's another thing to do it. And so as I began to walk that out, it's okay, God, I need your help. And the only way I really know to do this is start to pray for that person. And so I started kind of like this. God, God, get him. Is that an okay prayer? God, get him. Oh, that's not good? Okay, I won't pray that. <laughs> and, then, and then the prayer just became a little bit more generic, more scriptural, but more generic. <laughs> and as I began to pray and just ask God to help me see this person as he did and to give me compassion for this person, the prayers became more genuine and more heartfelt. And I began to pray not just one time. It's a continual process of praying for those who hurt us. And I thought I was doing really well. I thought, wow, God, you're so good. This is great. And then you know what would happen? Something would crop up. And all those emotions, and you think, ah, wait a minute. I thought I was doing so good. What happened? Listen to this verse. I love this verse in Acts 24. It says, therefore, I always exercise and discipline myself, mortifying my body, deadening my carnal affections, bodily appetites, and worldly desires, endeavoring in all respects to have a clear unshaken, blameless conscience, listen, void of offense toward God and toward man. I love this. He says, I always exercise and discipline myself to be void of offense toward God and man. So those little things crop up. Okay, I'm going to exercise the weapons that God's given me of prayer, of praise. I'm going to push through this. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to continue praying for that person. Yay, I'm doing great. I'm going to exercise forgiveness in this situation. Yay, I'm doing good. I'm going to exercise forgiveness. It's a process. Little things will crop up, and we have to choose to exercise forgiveness. Do you exercise just one time? 
Miss Personal Trainer in the back of the room? No. <laughs> it's a continual process. Yes. We have to exercise forgiveness over and over again. And I continued doing that over quite a period of time. And I remember one day, I thought, wow, God, you're amazing. I feel so free. I feel so uh, healed and, and released of the hurt and that I've released this person to you. God, thank you. You're so wonderful. And it was at a time when I knew there was an opportunity that I might run into this person. And so I was just praying. I said, God, thank you. I feel like totally fine if I see this person. And the Holy Spirit spoke within me and said, there's a deeper level of forgiveness I want to take you to. And I thought, really? I feel freer than I've ever felt. God, no, really, I'm good. I, I'm free of this. He said, no, there's a deeper level of forgiveness. And he brought something to my mind. He said, you know that, that area where you felt most cheated? That area where you felt like the, the scales were like this and yours was down here? You know that area? I want you to pray for blessings for that person in that area. What? God, wait, did you see the skills? They, they don't need blessings in that area. But I knew I had to. I knew it was the Spirit of God tugging at my heart to do it. And I don't want anything short of what God wants for me. So I said, okay, okay, God. And that one was really hard. And so I began praying for blessings in that area. over and over again because it was a process it took time to really be able to pray for blessings in that area where you felt so cheated and robbed and over time god just did something so miraculous and i realized my prayers had nothing to do with blessings for that person my prayers had everything to do with healing and blessings in my life, I found such freedom. I found that with God, there is such a deeper level of forgiveness than we can ever humanly imagine. And he wants to take us to that place. And you know what began to happen? Over time, as I found that incredible freedom, I found God just bringing such healing and restoration into every area of my life, restoring everything, bringing such fulfillment and blessings into my life, walking into a future that I never dreamed I would walk into, and I know I wouldn't have if I hadn't been willing to let go and forgive. And God reminded me of the verse towards the end of Job, when it says that Job prayed for his friends. And when he prayed for his friends, all that had been lost was restored to him. Ladies, there is such power in praying for our enemies. They, it is amazing that they were called Job's friends at that point because they really did not act like friends at all. Ladies, when we can learn the power of praying for our enemies, for releasing, for letting go of unforgiveness, refusing to hold on to offense. It does incredible things in our lives, and it will carry us 
into the future that God has for us. Opportunities for offenses will come all the time, but what we do with them will determine our future. It's a big deal. We've got to realize them. We can't just casually go through life stumbling and picking up every offense here and there. We've got to recognize that they are nothing short than traps from the enemy. And I want to close this morning with a story that, that probably most of us have heard at some point or another of an amazing woman, Corrie Ten Boom. And she was arrested. She and her family were arrested for hiding Nazis during the, um, or arrested by the Nazis, sorry, for hiding Jews during the Holocaust. And she was imprisoned with her entire family. And she and her sister were sent to Ravensbrück concentration camp, treated beyond horrifically. And her sister Betsy was killed just a few days before Corey was released. And she went on from that place to establish a home, to bring healing to Jews, and she became a missionary, traveling around the world, world sharing a message of forgiveness. And from her autobiography, she says, she says, I'm still learning to forgive. And she shares this story. She says, it was in a church in Munich that I saw him, a balding, heavy-set man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filing out of the basement room where I had just spoken with the message that God forgives. And I saw him working his way forward against the others. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat. The next, the blue uniform and the visored cap with its skull and crossbones. And it all came back with a rush, the horror of the concentration camp where my sister Betsy and I were sent and where this man had been a guard. He approached and said, you mentioned Ravensbrooks in your talk. He was saying, I was a guard there. I thought, oh, no, he doesn't remember me. He continued, but since that time, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Fraulein. And his hand came out. Will you forgive me? As I stood there, I, whose sins had every day to be forgiven and could not. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death? simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that I stood there, hand held out, but to me, it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I have ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. And I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart, but forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. 
Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can't lift my hand. I can with you. God, I will. You supply the feeling. And so, woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder and raced down my arm and sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. And for a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did in that moment. Wow. You see, when we are willing, when we're willing to let go, to release, to forgive, to let go of the offense, God meets our natural willingness with his supernatural power, and he does something so miraculous that only he can do. And ladies, maybe you're here today, and there's an offense that you've been carrying. Maybe there's someone who's been coming to your mind throughout this message that you know you need to forgive. God just says, come on, sweetheart. Don't let the enemy hold you in bondage any longer. Let me bring you into freedom, into the life that I have for you. And by his spirit, he wants to help you forgive today. Now I want to pray for you. Would you just close your eyes right where you're at? And if that's you this morning and you just know that there's someone you need to forgive, an offense you need to let go of no matter how big or small, would you just raise your hand in this place this morning? Wow. Hands all over the room. Okay. Ladies, I want you to do something. If you mean it, if you're willing to let go, just lift both hands to heaven. Nobody's looking around. This is just between you and God. And I want to lead you in a prayer this morning. It's not about words. It's about your heart. And just with your hands lifted in surrender to God, let's just pray this together. Let's all pray this together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have forgiven me. And right now, I choose to forgive and just quietly within yourself, just say their name. I give them to you. I put them in your hands. I release them. I choose to forgive. 
And Father, right now, I'm asking for your healing to just flood through my heart and mind. Help me to forgive more fully than I ever knew possible. Help me to let go. Help me to trust you. Help me to walk forward with you. Be healed. Be whole. Be the woman you created me to be who loves extravagantly, who forgives, who releases, who loves. In Jesus' name. And ladies, just keep your eyes closed. And maybe that's you and you just prayed that prayer. Right now, if you want to keep your hands raised, you can. But just receive God's love. Just take a moment. Just listen to him. Receive his love being poured out into your life right now. His strength infusing your life. His wisdom being poured out to you. And as you just have that moment with him, I also just want to ask, maybe you're in this room today and you know that you've been living behind walls. You have become so cold in your heart, numb in your heart, in your relationship with God. And you say, today is the day, God. I just want to surrender all. I want to get back on track and recommit my life to you today. Or maybe you're here and you say, I didn't even know that I could have my very own personal relationship with God. And you want to start a relationship with him today. It's so easy. All we have to do is ask. That's what the Bible says. To believe in our hearts that Jesus is the Son of God and confess him as the Lord of our lives. Asking him to be Lord. If that's you, if you want to start a relationship with God or you just want to recommit your life today, I just want to pray for you as well. Would you just slip up your hand if that's you in this place today? Just slip it up really high and just hold it up for a moment so that I can see it. Fantastic one. Okay, three, four. Okay, four hands, awesome, wonderful. Can we all just pray this together? Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus to die for me. And right now, I ask you to be Lord of my life. I surrender my life to you. I choose to live for you, with you, every day. Help me to grow in relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Awesome, 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 awesome.